0: In this new segment of Advisor Revelations, the DPL team will discuss how to evaluate new solutions and address current challenges and the strategies that can help you grow your firm and AUM.
1: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to our Advisor Revelations podcast today. We have a new segment today. It's going to be really exciting. So the segment we're going to be looking at is hearing from one of our consultants, essentially how they work with advisors on a day-to-day basis, and kind of talk through some of the success stories. You know, with our value here, we want to help firms, you know, grow assets under management and improve client outcomes. And we want to showcase some uh, situations where we've done that with the help of our consultants that you know live and breathe DPL. So this is uh, Tim Rambowski, Vice President of Member Success. And joined with me today is Leslie Grant, one of our lead consultants. Welcome to the show, Leslie.
0: Thanks, Tim. Hi, everyone. I'm Leslie Grant. As Tim mentioned, I'm a lead consultant here at DPL Financial Partners. And today, Tim and I are going to be discussing how one of our firms utilized the MIGA. I'll otherwise known as a multi-year guaranteed annuity to help protect their clients in the current fixed income environment that we're facing.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think not a day goes by, Leslie, when you're talking to an advisor that probably doesn't say something about fixed income, right? I mean, that's pretty much everybody we talk to. There's some kind of grumbling about that. Is that kind of what you were hearing from uh, this particular situation?
0: Absolutely. I mean, and we started working on this Oh, about six months ago. At that point, the certainty of interest rates going up was a real certainty, but it's become much more real today. And this advisor wanted to proactively address rising interest rates for his client portfolios through an annuity solution.
1: Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about this advisor. Had had they ever done something like this before using an annuity for rising interest rates? I mean, were were they annuity users at all, I guess?
0: They were not annuity users at all. They utilized us once or twice to do investment-only variable annuities where we were moving something out of a high-priced product into something that was going to lower the fees for their clients. But they'd never proactively gone out and put non-annuity money into a new annuity. So this was entirely new for them. They're a DFA shop. They are committed to their fiduciary duty. The one thing that this advisor repeatedly impressed upon me in his decision-making process to move forward with utilizing an annuity was, I'm a fiduciary. If I don't do this, I'm not doing my job as a financial advisor. So the decision process was really driven by, first of all, I'm a fiduciary. I know that there are risks here. I know theoretically that there are these Mm -hmm. solutions that might be able to address this risk, but I'm still somewhat skeptical. Sure. How do we get from being skeptical to being ready to utilize this as an allocation.
1: Yeah, I mean because there's tons of academic research out there, right? I mean, uh, there's articles, countless articles that talk about annuities, but it seems like still people are really skeptical of a lot of the things that are out there. So I guess just help us understand, you know, this advisor goes from the skeptic but also understands I have a fiduciary obligation to it's best for my client. Just walk us through kind of what was that process like? Like what did you what did you share with them that made them have this, you know, moment where they realized, "Hey, I don't have to be a skeptic anymore. I can actually trust that it'll do what it says it's supposed to do.
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. So the MIGA was actually not the first solution that we looked at. We talked about lifetime income. We talked about structured variable annuities. And for various reasons, those weren't the right fit. But when we got to the MIGA, because of its simplicity, because it was really easy for us to model the impact of the MIGA in their planning software. And that was a requirement for them.
1: What types of impacts were you seeing when you're doing that?
0: So we were seeing that the yield on the fixed income was Mm -hmm. providing, not necessarily enough to support withdrawals, but providing enough stable yield to help offset the impact that duration is going to have on other aspects of Mm -hmm. that portfolio, right? you got to think about, A fixed annuity, it might have a three-year duration or a five-year duration or even a 10-year duration, but its actual impact from a duration perspective on the portfolio Mm -hmm. is zero. There's no duration risk in a fixed annuity. And that's really powerful when you're trying to shorten your overall portfolio duration to defend against rising interest rates.
1: No, that's excellent. I don't think a lot of people think of it uh, in that manner. So you walk them through their plan and how it helps with all these other apps. What did you do from there?
0: From there, it was really a conversation about deciding what's the right fixed annuity. Mm -hmm. As you know, we've now got 14 different options on our shelf of various durations, various credit ratings. They wanted to stay with an A-rated carrier. They felt like that was a really easy story for sharing with their clients why this is a safe investment, right? It's similar to a CD or it's similar to a high quality corporate bond Mm -hmm. from a credit rating perspective. So we're not taking the same level of risk in search of yield that we might be taking if we're going into the high yield space to get a a 2.5% yield, or that we might even be taking in the corporate bond space to get a 2.5% yield, right? The risks are just significantly different but the yield's so much higher that the trade-off for them was, hey, we can still get a really nice rate without having to go down the risk spectrum to get that rate.
1: Yeah, and Leslie, it sounds like you have these conversations with advisors every day around the risk <laughs> of an insurance company. So it sounds like you had a successful story with one. But you know, what would you tell an advisor that is? been taught you know hey insurance companies take on more risk and that's why they can generate you know a better return you know how does that conversation go when you're talking to an advisor when they they have that mentality and think oh they're they're investing in junk bonds that's why they can deliver me a better return
0: well that's a really great question and i think it starts with understanding how an insurance company actually is regulated
1: mm-hmm. and
0: what they're allowed to buy within their general account right their general account is the account that they're using to generate the yield that they're paying out onto your client's annuities and the things that they're allowed to buy in that general account, the credit quality, the risk that they're allowed to take, it's all dictated by the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. They're not allowed to take substantial risk, right? Mm -hmm. They're really going to tier a large portion of their book towards higher quality debt instruments because they're required to do so. That's a regulatory rule. It's not that they can go out and just buy a bunch of junk bonds.
1: Right. And I'm sure there was some hesitancy there of like, hey, I, you know, most advisors have actually told their clients never to buy an annuity. Now they're going back to a longtime client saying, hey, That thing I told you you shouldn't buy, you should reconsider Mm -hmm. now that it's been repriced and it's better for you, things like that. So how did that go for this advisor kind of swap, you know, going over that hump of this is something we've never done. We've never recommended this. Now we're going to change our our philosophy, essentially, on how we do this.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was told that they were going to move forward with making this reallocation and, you know, they have about 120 clients, we've reallocated about 40 of them into this miga solution so the first thing he said to me was my team's gonna hate me but i've decided that we're gonna do this (laughs) because we have to do it right so step one was first meeting with his entire team helping his operations team understand the process and what we needed to execute and getting every piece of that lined up first. Sure. The next step was him figuring out which bond funds he was going to sell to fund the annuities. Once he'd identified where the funds were coming from and he pulled from a short-term fixed income ETF, that's what he opted to sell. Once we decide where those were coming from, then it went to the client communication piece. And John, my advisor, being a fiduciary, wanted all of his clients with a similar risk profile to move into this annuity structure.
1: It sounds like it's part of the allocation, right? Correct. It's kind of the model portfolio. This was a sleeve, just like it would be buying another ETF or a mutual fund, right? So it felt like the portfolio, not like this sideline annuity, right? Exactly. Okay.
0: Exactly. Yeah, this was not a one-off or I'm just doing this for one client. It was a full book decision based Mm -hmm. on clients' risk tolerance, and really what he felt was over-allocation towards fixed income, right. right? He wanted to be able to provide that protection for people who just owned too much. Sure. So in communicating this to his clients, he chose to utilize the technology called Loom, which is a video technology. You can send out video emails, and he recorded a video and laid out for his clients exactly why they were making this move, what the benefit to his clients was going to be, and reiterating that if I weren't a fiduciary, I wouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. I could have just put on my blinders, said, I don't want to hear it. I want to keep doing exactly what I've been doing, even though I know it puts you at risk. No, I've decided my job is to help mitigate those risks. That's what you're paying me for. And this is the most Effective and impactful way to do it without huge costs, without a huge period of time where your money's locked up, and giving you significant benefits in your portfolio. Yeah,
1: so really focused on client outcomes here because you know it's not like the advisor generated more revenue in this sense. It's now sure we get better performance, maybe a little more revenue on that side, but this is purely client focused, client centric to recommend annuity as part of the portfolio. Then
0: absolutely, absolutely, this was not a revenue driver for them at all. In fact, we wired the assets from the brokerage accounts and his firm covered the cost of the wires. So, you know, he truly believed in doing this and demonstrated that through his willingness to execute it in a way that was most effective for the clients.
1: That's great. So he created the Loom video, delivered that. So so that way, the client came in for the meeting. It sounds like they were prepared for the solution. They're going to be talking about. So, and it sounds too like your team handholded a lot of this. It sounds like they worked with the operations team and got everything set up. So, I mean, just overall, what was the advisor's experience through this? You know, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, You know, was it as big of an uplifting as they thought it might be?
0: Absolutely. We're still getting some clients trickling in who are signing their paperwork, but by and large, we've gotten the large chunk of the book moved over. The impact, right, especially as the Fed continues to hint or very aggressively suggest that, yes, rates are going up and they're going up soon. The impact is he's not going to have to explain to his clients why their safe assets are negative, why they're losing money and frankly, why they're paying fees while they're losing money on both sides of the portfolio. You know, that's a really challenging conversation for advisors to have in a downward equity market. But when both sides of the portfolio are down, that's an even more challenging conversation to have, especially when you've got a generation of investors who only know bonds is safe. Sure. Right. So not only do you have to re-educate them about what bonds really are and what the risk in bonds really is, but then you also have to justify your fee. And this is an easy way for him to do what's right for the client, get them better yield, reduce their risk and justify his fee.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the fee for a second, because, you know, this is my go. It's not like we're actively managing this, right? Right. It's not like we're picking individual bonds or anything like that. So, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that they're not necessarily comfortable charging fees on something they're not managing, but it sounds like this advisor was very confident in charging a fee. What kind of led them to that moment?
0: Yeah, I think for them, it was really, all I'm doing is I'm taking one bond portfolio and I'm swapping it for a different bond manager. Mm -hmm. The annuity company manages their bonds a little bit differently, but they're still managing money. There's still investment selection going on there. And ultimately, there's a term strategy in place, right? We're holding this for four years. We know at the end of four years that we're either going to renew into something new or we're going to keep continuing to hold the annuity.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they did what's best for the client. So, you know, it's better for the client. Why wouldn't you bill on it, right? Right. So, no, it sounds great. Sounds like it was a great experience for the advisor. It sounds like you guys handled it through, helped them seamless start to finish. What about from the client's perspective? What kind of feedback did you get? You know, from the clients as they were going through this process of buying this annuity.
0: You know, we were able to do this really easily because we had that ongoing conversation about executing this upfront we knew everything that the clients needed to sign. We knew exactly what the current custodian of the assets needed to release the funds and do the wire transfers. So all the clients had to do was electronically sign their application. It was really that easy. You know, we sent them the link to sign. They were already prepped to sign. My advisor did not even have to you know, physically meet with a lot of these people because he had already explained to them what they were doing via Loom. If the clients had more questions, they could come to him and have a deeper sure. conversation. But he told his clients, just like he told his team, I'm your advisor, and this is what we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great experience. Tell us a little bit about the value of the MIGA marketplace that we just launched with here at DPL, where we partnered with you know a number of carriers now to create some competition. So just tell a little about the MIGA marketplace and the experience that advisors have as they're shopping through that.
0: Oh, my gosh. The MIGA marketplace was long overdue. I'm really excited that we got it out at the end of the year here, just in time for interest rates to start going up, but it's exactly what we needed it for is to help advisors address this very real concern and very real risk. The advisors I work with have absolutely embraced not only the different term structures, but more importantly, the breadth of carriers and the level of interest rates that -hmm. they're able to get through this marketplace. You know, we, We talk a lot about clients who are sitting in cash, waiting for interest rates to go up. Then we'll get back into the market. And that's the same thing as market timing on equities, right? Sure. So for our advisors, what we're seeing them shift to now is using the marketplace to build an annuity ladder. Think of an annuity ladder as being like a bond ladder. You've got several different durations. And with interest rates going up, Us not knowing where the top level of rates are going to be, Mm -hmm. are you going to sit in cash and try to guess, ooh, looks like now is the right time to start buying fixed income? Or does it make more sense to build a ladder where you're constantly rolling maturities and taking advantage of interest rates as they're going up? And the Migant Marketplace has allowed our advisors to do that.
1: Yeah, And I've heard a lot recently about the uh, the opportunity cost, the cost of waiting. Like yes. a great example I was reading about the other day was, you know, DPL offers a three-year annuity that pays a 2.8% you know interest on that. And if you just waited one year because you thought rates were going to go up, the following two years, you'd have to get 4.25% interest in those two years just to match what that annuity did over three years. I mean, that's huge, this whole cost of waiting concept. And I think you had a lot of conversations with advisors around that as well, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, the cost of waiting is massive in fixed income. It's not only are you losing real return if you're sitting in cash waiting for rates to go up, but you're also needing rates to go up significantly faster. And right, we all have our opinions about where interest rates are going. But Tim, I don't realistically think that interest rates are going to be at 4% in three years' time.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I think that's misguided and, frankly, a little foolish. But how much
1: money would you lose on the way up, too, right? (laughs) We're talking about negative returns. That would be some some pretty negative uh, returns there if it does rise that fast.
0: Exactly. Exactly. If interest rates go up that fast, it's going to have a massive impact and massive drawdown on clients' existing bond holdings. And, you know, I think from having more money – in a couple years and what you have now perspective and more investable assets in an asset that's safe and an asset that's commission free. There's just so many advantages to thinking about utilizing a multi-year guaranteed annuity as part of that fixed income sleeve.
1: Sure. And so we talked a lot today about kind of you know, this as an overall, you know, betterment to the client right? better performance, things like that. But let's talk about it just for a second, my is in general, on uh, ways that advisors can gather more assets, like is as, as an asset gathering tool. You know, I've heard multiple stories where advisors are using these, you know, for clients that have a bunch of money with bankers, right? That have yep. bank CDs, have cash, things like that, or maybe they work with another advisor and they're trying to attract. So talk a little bit about how you're seeing advisors today basically use these, they're really simple. I mean, it's a fixed scenario. It's the most simple solution that's out there, right? (laughs) How how are they using something so simple as a MIGA as a way to attract and and get additional assets from their clients?
0: That's a great question, right? I think we, we all have those conservative clients in our book of business and those people who are going to, for better or worse, stockpile cash, especially in times like these, and Those people are really easy prey for bank advisors. All they're doing at the bank is going through people's accounts, looking for heavy piles of cash. Mm -hmm. And when your client comes to you and says, hey, I'm looking to put, you know, 500 grand into this CD at my bank. That's going to pay me 50 bips for the next three years. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's pretty
0: bad. (laughs) If you're willing to lock into 50 bips for three years, Mr. Client. Would you be willing to lock into 2.8% for three years? Yeah. I think the answer is going to be yes. But more importantly, proactively talking to your clients about those cash positions and about what you can provide to them as a safe money alternative that's better than what the bank's offering, has a similar risk profile as what the bank's offering, Mm -hmm. and really having those conversations about that sideline cash. I know clients are sitting on buckets and buckets and buckets of cash, and they don't need all that liquidity. They truly yeah. don't. So let's do something impactful with it rather than losing buying power.
1: Yeah, no. So it sounds like you had a lot of success, you know, with the firm we've been talking about today with this Myga solution. So you, you kind of walked us through their timeline. They've been a member for a while. Only use this us for kind of the 10:35 exchange. Everybody agrees with. Then they moved into this like super simple Myga solution. What's next, right? We've solved the fixed income challenge. What's the next challenge you're going to be working on with this firm?
0: Yeah. So the next challenge is, and part of it is a asset allocation challenge. The next challenge is we're going to start looking at the structured variable annuities to help defend against equity risk. And in the spreadsheets that we've built together in the examination that we've done on structured variable annuities, we found that they tend to be most impactful from a risk adjusted return perspective in low growth equity environments because you're able to benefit from a lower standard deviation because of the way these products are designed, but you're also participating in much more equity upside relative to like a fixed indexed annuity. So you're getting some equity performance without giving up a bunch of upside in a structured variable annuity. So for them, they want to be able to de-risk some of their clients' equity assets and provide for that better risk-adjusted return, right? It all comes down to the portfolio statistics Mm -hmm. and not the product, right? It's not about the fact that it's an annuity. It's about what this is doing for his portfolio,
1: yeah, this is great. Though. It sounds like you have a process already you work through. Very similar to my guy. You put in the software, show the benefits of the client. And I'm sure this advisor might you know, do a Loom video again for this. So, you know, it sounds like you have lots of ways that you've been working with advisors. So, no, thank you for coming on the show today. We appreciate the expertise and I'm sure everybody probably learned a lot today and uh, some new ways they can interact with their DPL consultants. So, no, we're we're excited about this new version of Advisor Revelation podcast. We'll be sharing stories just like this from advisors like yourself, how they're interacting with DPL to see how they can, you know, help their clients out better as well as, you know, increase AUM. So we'll be excited to roll out a series of these where we'll conquer some more problems. Might have Leslie back on the show here in a little while to talk about how she's solving the equity challenge with this firm. So thanks, everyone, for listening today. Appreciate it. And we'll uh, catch you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear more advisor revelations, go to DPLFP.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming app.